for another great edition of Strong Style. This is Impact Media's weekly dive off the top rope into the world of mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. Welcome in. That little chime means welcome to the show. We get it from time to time. Never know when it's going to be, actually. But so much to get into, so much action. We've got a preview Extreme Rules is coming up this weekend. Um, it's going to be a, a weird weekend with no MMA because both Bellator and the UFC are taking, uh, I believe, two weeks off. But we will get into that uh, here shortly. As always, if you would like to contact the show or leave us a rating review, suggestion, comment, suggestion, um, your grandmother's apple pie recipe, your grandmother's apple pie, any of that, you can do so by emailing us at 3endzone at gmail.com. That is 3, the number 3, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com. You can you can uh, find us anywhere you would find a podcast, whether that is Podcast One, whether that is the iTunes Store, that is Spotify, or any place you find a podcast. If there is a place that you regularly find a podcast and you do not find our podcast, please let us know. We will fix that promptly. Also, you can search for us on Facebook, Impact Media. Strong Style, Jeremy York, you should be able to find us any of those ways. If you do not, email the show or find some other way to find us, and we will fi help you find that. If you want to just be able to click on the link and listen to the show, you can go to our Twitter page, at Team Impact Media. If you would like to see the show links, plus um, whatever random thing I happen to put up on social media, you can do so at the Impact 99 on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and of course Instagram. Now, let's start as we always do with the UFC and MMA. The UFC just had fight night. Mackenzie Dern versus Jan Zhaonan, which is kind of weird. I think it should actually be Zhaonan Yan, but um, because of the way they do it over in China, which I, I actually kind of like. But, uh, good event. This, this is a good event. There were some good fights on it. We're obviously going to talk about the, um, the main card. Let's start right there with Mackenzie Dern and Yan, uh, Yan Zhaonan. In the women's straw weight. Uh, this ended up being a majority decision win for Yan. Uh, okay. The right person won. Uh, Mackenzie Dern had had some good moments. I would actually even give her a round or two, but she definitely uh, did not win the fight. Uh, Mackenzie is is a really really good young fighter. Uh, I'm I'm a fan because of uh, the work she puts in. And it seemed like she had a lot of the right strategies in this. She wanted to take it to Yan. She wanted to uh, be able to take over this fight. And she definitely was doing the kind of things to do that. She just ran up on Yan Jelnan that was just having none of it. And it wasn't just like as soon as she zigged, she's, then Yan would, Yan would, would zag. No, no, it, it, it was very methodical. Um... Everything McKenzie would would mount up. It seemed like Jeanon had a had a way to combat it. It was a good fight, and what I like the most, uh, I don't want to take away from Jan because very well fought. When you move on, you move up, as you should. Uh, for McKenzie. I like that immediately following the event, she went to Instagram and dropped a video uh, showing her battle scars, showing them off. Uh, but uh, to a point, she she was somewhat apologetic that she felt like she 
could have done more or done things differently in order to in order to uh, maybe get the victory in this one but um, you know it I, I like that she did that that she immediately wanted to face the music and in trying to face the music uh, you, that she's just gonna get better she knows she has some things to work on and We'll see where McKenzie goes from here. I, I think she's going to rebound. She's going to refocus. She's going to be fine. Uh, Jan, by the way, she uh, she looked really strong. She looks like she had it, had the the whole package put together. She's ready to move up in the strawweight division. You know, maybe maybe in title contention here in the not too distant future. Uh, great win for Jan, and. Um, it was a good main event. A lot of times, your main event is, is not always the best fight. Well, it, it definitely was in this one. Absolutely was. Uh, the co-main, Randy Brown gets a unanimous decision win over Francisco Trinaldo in the welterweight division. Another good, solid fight. Uh, Randy Brown, he's just good. <laughs> and that's not saying Francisco's not. Uh, Randy just, he knew what he wanted to do, and he took it the whole three rounds and, and showed you that... Uh, that he's he's somebody you're going to have to deal with. Uh, great win, Randy Brown. Rayoni Barcelos with the unanimous decision win over Trevin Jones in the bantamweight division. Uh, didn't get to see much of this fight, but I saw the highlights. Uh, it, it's similar to what I said about Randy Brown. Barcelos was the better fighter. Barcelos deserved the win. He got the win. Uh, Trevin Jones was definitely not a slouch. Uh, it, it was not one-sided, anything like that. Uh, Trevin was, was very much having his moments too, but uh, Rayoni had more, and that gives you unanimous decision win. In what ended up being a giant lopsided fight, Sudik Youssef gets the round one 30 seconds into it submission on Don Shanus. Uh I don't know what happened. I, Don looked ready to go, but I, I saw that happen in the PFL where you look and both these fighters look ready to go and the bell rings and one runs at the other and just it just all falls apart. Um, I, I really I don't know I think I think Don Shanus was a a last minute replacement. Uh, maybe a week or so ago or something like that. But uh, Sodique is one of the best featherweights in the division. And uh, my goodness, we've we've got to get him more competition because 30-second submission, that's – it almost takes you 30 seconds to set one up, let alone put it on. Uh, just – just uh, – just Wow. And then finally, Mike Davis with the unanimous decision win over Vyacheslav Borshev. Uh, pretty good fight. Mike was definitely doing a lot more than, than Borshev was. Um, just, uh, you know, you had 10, you had 10 and, uh, or you had 9 and 1, or 9 and 2 versus 6 and 2. And so something had to give, and in this case, Mike was able to put together uh, the better performance, and he gets unanimous decision win with that one. Um, other fun moments, uh, Lear Latifi with unanimous decision win over Alexi Olenek in the heavyweights. Heavyweights are always throwing bombs, man. It's great. Um, Joaquin Silva. With the TKO over Jesse Ronson, that was pretty fun. Brendan Allen submits Christoph Charco in the first round, nonetheless. Uh, Chelsea Chandler with the big TKO over Julia Stolarenko, that was fun. And uh, Guido Canetti, man, did, doesn't get enough love for for uh, his submission game. Well, how about a minute four into the fight, he gets submission over Randy Costa. Randy Costa's a good fighter, but. Overall, it was good. For I mean, fight nights—you never know 
a lot of times you don't know who half the people are, but it ends up being fantastic fights. In this case, we knew a lot of we knew a lot of the the people involved. We just didn't know how it was going to match up, and it ended up matching up really well, just really well. At least fight nights sometimes are better than the pay per views. I'll say it. Um, they are off this week, as I said. The next time UFC will get together, we will get. Uh, another fight night on October 15th. Where it will be Alexa Grasso versus Vivian Arujo. The women's flyweight. That's the main event. That is going to be fun. Some other. Uh, they haven't even filled out the entire card yet. They only have one, two, three, four. Four fights. They're listing five, but only four of them have actual names next to them. Uh, that's gonna be fun. That's uh, Grosso versus Arujo. That's that's it's gonna be a lot of fun. Let's see. Is that that looks like all ESPN Plus at the moment? So, um, fun stuff there. But next, you know, they're taking a week off. Now let's get to Bellator. Bellator had Bellator had Bellator two eighty six. Over the weekend, that was Patricio Pitbull versus Adam Borix. This was good. This was this was good, man. Uh, I I thought Borix may be able to be the one to take down Patricio. I forgot the Pitbull brothers are legends for a reason. So Patricio won all the rounds, or, or he, he won. He won the fight. He he just. Every time Adam Borks ha had some plan, Patricia would just punch him in the face. And we all know how that saying goes. And uh, Patricia Pitbull, man, he's, he's just that good. He has said something about potentially going down a weight class. And uh, if so, if he were to win the title there, he would be the first person in MMA history to be a world champion on three different weight classes, especially in the same organization. That would be something. Uh, but, I mean, he's, he's basically beat everybody in the featherweight division, so, I mean, maybe he wants to challenge. Maybe he wants to do something different. But uh, Patricio is just that good. Adam Borks, he, he tried. He, he did all he could. But in the end, Patricio Pitbull is a legend, as I said. Pitbull brothers, Patricky and Patricio, are just legends. And it's, you know, it's it's a sword in the stone moment. It's who's who's going to take take them down and be the next uh, legendary person? I, I don't know. They've beaten almost everybody that's, that's come up on them. I think there's only one person in Patricio's history that he has a loss to that he has not avenged. And it's because I don't think the guy fights anymore. But uh, just it's it was the main event we all thought it would be. It was uh, it was fantastic. He's decision win. Uh, AJ McKee gets the decision win over Spike Carlisle. Spike come out swinging early. He come out flying, flying kicks, flying knees, just uh, spaz all over the place, like in a good way. Uh, he knew he was going to have to bring it AJ McKee, and uh, he tried. And uh, just did not do enough to get the judges to sway their votes. AJ McKee gets the decision win. Proves to 19 and one. Be interesting to see what what is on deck for AJ. And uh, and Carlisle. Now a lot of people said AJ moved moved a, a weight class and and they give him this super easy fighter. Uh, Spike not a super easy fighter. He actually had a skill set that he could have took down AJ. He was just not able to uh, execute it. But uh, I in no way think that Spike Carlisle and AJ McKee's skill levels are miles apart like most people. They're a lot closer than you think, and that's why this went to decision. It was not an early stop. Um, Jeremy Kennedy gets the TKO win over Aaron Pico. A lot of people would say, well, he must have dominated Aaron Pico. No. If anything, you could say Pico was probably winning the fight. Uh, Jeremy Kennedy was doing some, some good things, but at some point, Aaron Pico, he says when he threw a hook, a left hook, 
that his shoulder popped out. Um, I don't know if it was there or right after the hook, Jeremy Kennedy took Pico down and while they were on the ground, I think it may have come loose then. But uh, Pico spent the rest of the round uh, trying to fend off Jeremy Kennedy and also pop his shoulder back into place. When he sat down on the stool in between rounds, he tried to get one of his corner men to uh, pop it back in. And uh, he was trying valiantly, trying valiantly. Uh, he goes to stand up. The referee walks over to him. They bring the doctor over to him. They're asking him questions. They're saying, hey, oh, if your shoulder's fine, I need you to, to lift your arm up in front of you like this. Uh, at one point, Aaron Pico, uh, he's trying to lift his, his left. Uh, the, I think it was his left. It was the, uh, the bad one. And, and uh, at one point, he lifts his good arm up to go, oh, yeah, you mean like this, right? Like he's trying to fool the doctor. And uh, it, was, it was funny. And uh, Josh Thompson called him out on that, too. That, that Aaron, you tried. But uh, Dr. Stoppage, TKO. Hey, good win for Jeremy Kennedy. A win's a win. It, it wasn't dirty. wasn't underhanded. wasn't a, a DQ or anything. It's uh, Aaron Pico. He uh, just popped his shoulder up. It happens. We've seen it happen a couple times here recently, even in UFC fights. You know, kind of stuff happens. When you're going to be that super physical, sometimes weird things happen, and it did. And this time, it uh, was to the detriment of Aaron Pico, and it helped Jeremy Kennedy. I know Pico was trying to get Scott Coker to immediately do a uh, sign a rematch when he when he got his shoulder fixed and everything, and, and uh, Coker was like, ah, let's, uh, let's get that shoulder good first, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens by then. But, uh, you know, it's unfortunate when it ends that way. But, hey, somebody has to win, somebody has to lose in that situation, and that's what happened. And finally, my goodness, this was what we thought it would be. This is, it was Juan Archuleta against Enrique Barzola, and this was fantastic. This was fantastic. Juan Archuleta is, is, a, uh, is a legend. Barzola is no slouch at all either. And these two took it to each other. Uh, Archuleta ends up with the decision win. Man, this, this at, least, at least main card wise, this was one of the best Bellators overall. I, I liked it a lot. I, I definitely... Liked it a lot, and uh, if you get a chance, go back and uh, check it out, or try to catch some of the highlights. But uh, just, just uh, fantastic. Uh, as I said, their next event will be Bellator 287 in Milan, Italy. That is on October the 29th. That is a Saturday at the Alliance Cloud Arena. It looks like Piccolotti versus. Uh, Barnell, I think I'm saying his name right, but uh, that's that's gonna be fun. What does that card look like? Somebody was telling me something about the card. Yeah, Adam Piccolotti and uh, Monsor uh, Barnawi, maybe is how you say it. Oh, Fabian Edwards, Charlie Ward, Saul Rogers, Tim Wild, Justin Gonzalez, Andrew Fisher. My goodness, my goodness, that is, oof, they're loading that one up. Luke Trainer versus Lucas As uh, Alsina, David Gallen versus Danielle Scatizzi, Simon Biong versus Dragos Zubko, Alfie Davis versus Thibault uh, Ga uh, Gowdy, I think it's Gowdy, uh, Chiara Penko, Manuela Marconetto, Yves Landu versus Walter Cogliandro, and Ayub Nasser versus Derek Winslow. This will be Nasser's uh, first professional fight, I believe. Man, how many fights are on this card? Costello Van Stennis is taking on Camille Anushuk. Nicolo Soli versus Barama Kamara. Seriously, how many fights? Oh, this is the last one. Stephen Hill versus Walter Pugliese. Man, how many fights was that? That was one, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten on the undercard, and it was one, two, three, four, four, so fourteen total fights. Wow. Fourteen total fights. Bellator is bringing it. Bellator absolutely bringing it. Wow. So we're going to take a short break where you can learn a little more about our friends at BetOnline.net. And when we come back, we're going to jump into a preview for Extreme Rules, WWE's Extreme Rules coming up this weekend. But for now, we'll take a short break, learn a little bit about our friends at BetOnline.net. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Ford Check, and That Sports Show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on Strong Style. Jeremy the Impact York. Good to see you guys back. Let's talk a little Extreme Rules. WWE Extreme Rules. Now, there are only six current matches on the card. I say current because things could get added. Things get added, subtracted, depending on what happens. Uh, but let's go through these matches because in lieu of talking about Raw or SmackDown this week, we're going to talk about Extreme Rules. Um, let's start with in order of importance. We'll put it that way. Uh, we're going to get a six-man tag, good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. Pretty much means no DQ weapons and all kinds of fun stuff. And these six guys are going to destroy each other and anything that gets in their way. We're going to get the Brawling Brutes, otherwise known as Seamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch, versus Imperium, Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci. Yeah, these six guys are going to beat the holy crap out of each other. This is going to be just crazy. Just crazy. Um, I think the Brawling Brutes will probably win because they are the... They're kind of more of the up-and-coming team at the moment. But if Imperium ends up finding a way to win, good for them as well. SmackDown is a way better roster having these six guys on it. Uh, we're going to get Edge versus Finn Balor in a I Quit match. Edge seems like he's constantly in these kind of matches. Um, I, I could see Edge getting the win over Finn Balor, but the Judgment Day is going to be down there with, with Finn Balor. And depending on who comes out with Edge, I don't know if they can counteract them. So, I don't know. I, I guess prediction on that one, I'm going to predict that Edge finds a way to win that. But, I mean, what what does it do? And I, I, this, this story is just not going anywhere anymore. I know they're trying to build the Judgment Day, and Edge wants to stick around and do some stuff. But, I I don't know. Here's a prediction. Dominic Mysterio finds a way to affect the outcome. Finn Balor wins. Because that's what needs to happen. you got to build Dominic somehow, and why not do it this way to the detriment of one of uh, the people he's been closest to up until this point in Edge. A great friend of his dad. Uh, Bianca Belair with... Alexa Bliss and Ashka with her, which is what's going to make this chaos. Versus Bailey with her damage control uh, teammates of Dakota Kai and Io Sky. 
So Bianca Belair and Bayley are going to have a ladder match for the Raw Women's Championship. This would normally be fantastic, but when you add the other four people into it, it's going to be a chaotic mess. Um, Belair is a, is a good performer. I will give her that. I'm not a big fan of hers. Uh, I do respect her a lot, and she is really good at what she does. Um, this would be the perfect time for Bailey to take the belt off of her. Uh, there clearly is going to be some underhandedness to this one, too. Uh, it's going to involve the other four helping one or the other end up winning. So I am going to... I'm going to go ahead and say that Bailey is going to be your new Raw Women's Championship, and there will be shenanigans with all six women involved. We go up next to the strap match from Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. Of course, Scarlett will be down there. I don't think she's going to she's gonna stay out of this one because uh, it's pretty dangerous to be near that strap. Um, in a strap match, for people who don't know, you uh, are both at one end of a strap. At, at, at either end, and you can you can use that accordingly to as a weapon to um, manipulate your opponent's movements, whatever. But these two have been needing to do something like this for a for a little while. It's been a good story. It's a good way to build up Cross, who I think could be a contender to face Roman Reigns somewhere down the road. But he needs a good, solid win. Why not over Drew McIntyre in a strap match? Uh, that that could that could scare the Tribal Chief a little bit, who was smart enough to not be booked on this card. By the way, um, I'm going to say Karrion Cross ends up finding a way to win the strap match because I think there is a, it's a bigger future in pushing him right now than Drew, who's had a couple spots. Um, in a in a match that I kind of get where they're going with this, people think it was random. It's really not. It is going to be Matt Riddle, former MMA star, now professional wrestler, versus Seth freaking Rollins in a fight pit match. A lot of people are like, a fight pit? What? A fight pit? What is that? Well, a couple years ago, Matt Riddle and Timothy, forgot his last name now, were in a fight pit match. And uh, it, it basically is kind of like an octagon cage that is got like a big scaffolding system around the edge of it. It's like a big bowl. It's all caged and stuff like that, so it's it's more of a fight. You're not going to see a lot of wrestling, uh, but but here's here's the other wrinkle they threw into it. We're going to have a guest, a special guest referee, and that of course is going to be Olympian, former Olympian and former MMA great. Now he's a great commentator. Uh, Daniel Cormier, DC, who is a big wrestling fan. And uh, found a way. I mean, there was no real build-up. He just kind of randomly showed up this week and, and is in this match. But, uh, you know, DC is, is actually a good referee. He will, he will be solid. He will... You know, he's, he's not going to have a lot of shenanigans. People think there's going to be shenanigans in this. I, I don't think so. I think he's just going to keep the action where it should be. Uh, prediction. More than likely, Riddle's going to win a, a fight match. I mean, Seth makes a lot of sense. But I don't know. I just it's. I just hope it's not a mess because it, it very much could be a mess. 
Um, I, I'm going to say I, I would like Seth to win because I think he needs to leg up at this point after dropping a couple matches to other people. But uh, Matt Riddle is probably going to win. Him and DC will probably raise each other's hand at the end. And um, hopefully this will be the last time that we see a fight pit match in WWE. Now that leads us to the main event. The main event is SmackDown Women's Champion Liv Morgan, who will be defending her belt against Ronda Rousey in an Extreme Rules match, otherwise known as Anything Goes. Um, this should be pretty good. It, this is their way to kind of even things up. And to even thing up, I mean, Liv is a great, a really great performer and professional wrestler. Ronda Rousey is a trained assassin. You need Ronda to be a little more pro-wrestling-like, and you need Liv to be a little more Ronda-like. So you have this match that kind of equalizes things up, um, you know, for... for the discrepancies in their skill sets, because they are very even if you just take their skills and you know pour them in, in two side-by-side -side cups. But like I said, one is more, one is a lot better at professional wrestling and one is a lot better at fighting. And you guys can figure out which is which there. Uh, prediction, Liv Morgan's gonna find a way to win this because it just makes more sense. After taking this long before Ronda really gets back in the mix, you kinda need her back out because Liv has been having a great run and you don't want to just take it from her. She's been having fun, she's been doing some good stuff. But as Extreme Rules, it is going to be this Saturday at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia if you are so inclined to be anywhere near there. Uh, but it is also on pay-per-view, all the major places you can find that. Now, that catches us up with Raw and SmackDown. Let's go. Let's go to NXT. In NXT, uh, we got to see Ilya Dragunov and JD McDonough and Braun Breaker all kind of not really get into it, but get into more of a stare down. This is apparently going to be a triple threat now. Which should be pretty fun, but I agree with J.D. McDonough that uh, Ilya just come and, and stole his, his, his thunder here. Uh, this should be the one-on-one -on -one for McDonough, who has had a one-on-one -on -one with Braun, but, you know, thought he deserved another one. He, he qualified his way in. We'll see exactly how good Ilya is. You know, it was a little while back that he made some NXT appearances. It will be interesting to see now that he has come over full-time. Uh, full we got to see Fallon Henley versus Mandy Rose. Um, Fallon had some really good moments, but she is not on Mandy's level at the current moment. Mandy Rose is just, she's on that top level. She has been just improving and getting better each and every time she is in and out of the ring. And uh, of course, she is able to retain. Uh, then Alba Fire kind of calls her out apparently that's going to be her next contender i mean i don't sometimes they make them qualify with weird tournaments and matches and then other times they just randomly have somebody show up and they're like oh yeah they're number one contender like how did they buy a ticket buy a token or something i don't know um wes lee took on tony d'angelo in a qualifier match for i think halloween havoc that is coming up for a big multi-person match they're going to have. And a uh, weird thing happened here. Part of the way through the match, Tony D'Angelo kind of jams his knee as he's running towards the turnbuckle, and he jams it on the ground. And uh, he... he never fully gets off his, his knees again till the end of the match. Uh, the referee comes and checks on him. The trainer comes over 
and you can see he's saying something under his breath. And uh, I don't know what he did to his knee, but uh, it was enough to where they stopped the match, award Wesley the as the winner, so he moves on to the match. Here's a crazy thing. I don't think that is what was supposed to happen. I don't think that Wesley was going to win. I think that Tony D'Angelo was going to win and be in the match, but they had to call the audible because Wesley looked surprised. He, he was kind of looking around like, uh, what do you mean? And the referee's like, you win. He's like, how do I win? Well, he can't continue. So, good for Wesley, who deserves to be in these kind of matches, and I'm glad he gets the opportunity. But uh, we, we get a ref stoppage in, in wrestling, which is what needs to happen in any sport. Yes, NFL, I'm looking at you. You need to know when to call it one out. To call out something bad that happened. Um, we get to see the return of Amari Miller. She got banged up by a Lash legend not so long ago. Uh, it was good to see Amari back. She is a, a solid performer. She took on the debuting Sol Ruka, who is can't remember she's like Olympic it's not surfer they're pushing her as a surfer but it's she was, she was an Olympic athlete of some kind that was really good uh, she looked green as hell in this match meaning uh, fresh off the turnip truck but uh, Sol Ruka had some good moments Amari was definitely a good partner for her and uh, they, they did some pretty good stuff. Uh, Souls, she's going to get more comfortable as she goes. I mean, she wasn't as fluid as Tiffany Stratton was when she showed up, but Tiffany had some, some hiccups and some speed bumps as well. So uh, Soul can keep working on some stuff, but she looked okay for her debut, and she, of course, ends up with the win. Uh, Cameron Grimes took on Joe Gacy, and pretty much the dyad was the whole reason Joe Gacy ended up with the win of that one, but um, as much as I'm not the world's biggest dyad fan, I'm a big fan of Cam and Joe Gacy, and if those two are going to wrestle, you have my attention because they are both great performers and they seem to play off each other really well. Joe Gacy with the win. Um, didn't really get this next moment because Nikita Lyons with Zoe Stark took on Caden Carter with Katana Chance. Those are the tag team champions. And Nikita Lyons pretty much had a straight up win over one half of the tag team champions. Here's the part I don't get. Why are we pushing Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark as a tag team? That tournament that they were in is over. They had to pull out because they got hurt. They are both heavyweight contenders. They are. They should not be in the tag division not saying because they're too good or anything like that but no they 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 have no business down here in the tag division because we know what's going to happen Caden Carter and Katana Chance finally get the tag belts that they should have had a year ago and then Lions and Stark are going to come by and just snatch them because they're, they they clearly like them more they try to push them every chance and every breath of every day and it's it's kind of getting annoying but uh, the key to Lions got the win in that one uh, KC squared, I still got your back. Zion Quinn took on Ilya Droganov. We got to see Droganov again. Uh, you know, it's been a little while since we've seen him. Of course, Droganov ends up with the win in that one. Zion Quinn, he's another guy. He was starting to get a push, and then it just, like, stopped out of nowhere, like, a couple months back. I'm not real sure what actually happened, but... I don't know, he needs to kind of regroup and maybe just not be cannon fodder like he's been the last month and a half or so. Uh, good win for Ilya Droganov. Clearly he was going to win. You can't have a top contender lose uh, leading up to a, a big event. Damon Kemp took on Brutus Creed. Uh, you know, obviously he's the reason why Diamond Mine split. Damon Kemp is. All I can figure is that they're doing this because they're going to bring in 
I think it's the little brother. It could be big brother. But Damon Kemp's brother to be brother versus brother where you get the Creed brothers who I don't think are actual brothers. But get the Creeds versus Damon Kemp and his brother, whatever they're going to call him. Um, but Damon Kemp ends up causing himself to get disqualified, which means Brutus Creed wins. But Damon Kemp come out on the better end of it because he was doing all the attacking and uh, I just I, I don't I want to see where it's going and then finally we got to see two members of Gallus take on Briggs and Jensen in the main event this was pretty good it was some sort of weird bar DQ no DQ match which they're just getting real annoying That's, I'll just use the word annoying again the fact that every other match involves weapons, just this is not ECW, guys. It's NXT. Uh, we tune in for wrestling. We don't tune in to see um, beer steins broken over people's head. At least I don't. But uh, Briggs and Jensen get the big win. Great for them. Let's go to AEW Dynamite. And we open up with... Uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society trying to celebrate with a bunch of pizza their latest accomplishments. Uh, Danielson comes out when Daniel Garcia kind of says, you know what, I, I don't know if this is for me or not. And uh, Luigi Primo, hey, more power to you, bud. You've, you've gotten a couple primetime spots. You got laid out during this one, but uh, good for you. You're you're on a uh, national television spot, so you must be doing something right. And then looking into you a little bit, you've been champion a bunch of places that you've been, so good for you, sir. Um, here's the thing I didn't like. The Jericho Appreciation Society, that's fine. If Jericho wants to talk, that's fine. If Daniel Garcia wanted to talk, that's fine. I don't even mind if Matt Menard wants to run his his goofy face. That's fine. Run his mouth. That's fine. But the people that chose to talk during this, and I'm not going to call them out, but you can there's a couple of them I didn't mention right there. They had no reason to talk, and when they did, they didn't say anything that either mattered or made sense. It sounded like a drunken night at your favorite watering hole. Just random people screaming into a microphone. It made no sense. It was stupid. The thing that did make sense out of all this is that we got to see Brian Danielson versus Matt Menard and uh, as good a worker as Menard is, Brian Danielson beat the crap out of him. And uh, it was good to see Danielson with a win like that. We got to see more Yuta MJF. That's going to be a fun feud. That's what's going to keep us from getting uh, MJF into a, a title picture at the moment, which is fine. They both need these kind of programs. Uh, but he also had the gun club who come down there and helped him. One thing that I really, really did like was that Moxley got to take on Juice Robinson. I've seen this match a handful of times in New Japan with New, J or in, with New Japan Wrestling. But in this case, uh, getting to see Juice Robinson, who is Mr. Tony Storm. I'll bring that up sometimes. Juice versus Moxley. This was a pretty good match. It wasn't one of their instant classics that they've normally had, but uh, in the end, this was uh, a really good match. And Moxley, of course, ends up with the win. Then another weird, goofy segment where uh, Soraya and all the um, all the good female talent, all the, the good the good side of them, they come out, and then all the heels and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, they come out, and all that really becomes of it is we get to see Tony Storm defend her belt against Serena Deep which was uh, an okay match. There was times when it was just sloppy and all over the place, but uh, they put it together, Storm retains. Um, 
to be two classic great wrestlers like those two, it, it surprised me how disorganized a lot of the match was. It's just kind of weird. Um, we got to see the Acclaimed. The Acclaimed are by far one of the hottest tag teams out right now. They are super popular. They are the tag team champions here in AEW. They do so many great things. I hope that they get to enjoy their their ride to the top because they seem like super cool guys. They seem like a team that could be around for a while. And uh, even having Billy Gunn with them, it, it adds another dimension to them. And I, and I do think that they can do bigger things than they are even doing. And no, that doesn't mean in another company or anything like that. I'm just saying they could be one of those really, really good teams within the next year or so. We saw uh, Andrade and Private Party and The Butcher and The Blade and then they're interrupted by Matt Hardy that seems like he's trying to steal Private Party back. And, and there's this other thing. This was brought to my attention by uh, a good friend of mine that we talk a lot of AEW. Um, he said he, he's kind of reading into the Andrade and his assistant stuff as though maybe Andrade could be maybe on his way out of the company. Like uh, maybe going to leave. I don't know. Kind of the way I read into the situation was that maybe the assistant is, but it, it also seemed to me that... It also seemed to me that he is trying to, to build things a different way. And we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I, I don't think Andrade is going anywhere uh, anytime soon. For one, I don't think his contract's up. And two, that would leave Roosh in just the middle of nowheresville. And Roosh just got there. So it would have to be a package deal. And, and I don't think they would both leave because... AEW needs Andrade and Roosh. They definitely do. Tony Starks. Not Tony Starks. Tony Starks. That's That would be Iron Man. Uh, Ricky Starks. I guess that's his cousin. Ricky Starks took on Eli Isom. It was good to see him. from. Uh, he was on Ring of Honor quite a bit. Uh, it was good to, to uh, see Eli Isom. It seems like he has evolved. He is. Uh, been working on his craft a lot more, and him and Starks had a great match. Starks, of course, ends up with the win. I would like to see them do some fun things with Starks, maybe by the end of this year, start to get him on a on a rise uh, towards towards the top of, it could be the All-Atlantic for all that matters, but one of the titles. I, I would like to see Ricky Starks hold a title that's not the FTW. Uh, and then we get Bandito versus Jericho for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. And as good as Bandito is, him and Jericho are, are a decent class of styles, but it works. They did some fun stuff. Uh, it looked like at some point that Bandito may have smashed his nose. Uh, it's hard to tell with the way his mask is, but uh, it did not affect the end of the match or anything like that. And, of course, Jericho retains, and he continues to be your Ring of Honor champion, which is, that's fine. It, Ring of Honor needs its own hour. We know that each week. I don't, I don't know if TNT or TBS would be the ones to do it. I could see it, I could see it somewhere, I could see it somewhere Maybe on a streaming service or something like that. But they, they need a TV deal. They need to be back on network. I don't know where, but that's for Tony Khan to figure out. Let's go to Impact Wrestling, where we start off with the Bullet Club of Chris Bay and Ace Austin. Of course, with Juice Robinson, because Juice is in town, as we learned from AEW. Uh, they take on Trey Miguel and Laredo Kid. Of course, Bullet Club end up with the win in that one. But uh, Trey Miguel and Laredo Kid, to be non-tag partners, they actually worked together pretty good. But uh, this was just your normal opening match that in it included a handful of those particular people. Um, 
Looks like Bupender Gujar is going to get his rematch against Brian Myers at the upcoming pay-per-view in a couple weeks for the Internet Championship. I forgot what they call it. Uh, we get to hear from Kaz, who qualified himself into an X Division title shot at the next pay-per-view. Then we got to see Crazy Steve take on Brian Myers. And I uh, really thought Crazy Steve was going to pull this off. But he was not quite able to. And Brian Myers finds a way to win, as he normally does. He's, he, he's good for a reason, guys. He, you may not like him, but Brian Myers can wrestle. Uh, Black Taru took on Delirious. People who don't know Delirious, Google him. He's a Ring of Honor legend. Uh, very unorthodox. I think he's Danish or something like that. He's very crazy, goofy. Like I said, very unorthodox. Nobody has a style like him. But him and Black Taru, man, they, they had a really, really good match. And uh, Taru ends up with the win. So congratulations to him on that. Get to hear from Bobby Fish, who they ask again. They're like, uh, what are you doing in Impact Wrestling? To which he says, uh, you know, I'm here for the competition. I'm here for the, 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 the opportunities. And I think Bobby Fish is one of those guys that can put himself into a good situation. Uh, we get... Honor No More comes out, and then Josh Alexander comes out, and they pick a fight, and then Rich Swan comes down, Heath comes down, Motor City Machine Guns come down, and uh, they, they have Thanksgiving dinner right there in the middle of the ring. No, they, they of course fight and stuff like that, and this leads to the match that was going to happen anyway, Heath and Rich Swan taking on Vincent and PCO. Um... I think it's it's kind of fitting that they put Vincent and PCO as kind of a tandem because when Honor No More kind of dis, disbands a little bit, I could see that uh, PCO and Vincent would be the first ones to spawn off and PCO would go into being his own solo thing and I think Vincent would uh, go back with his group that... I uh, forgot the name of him now, but uh, look up. He's the leader of a faction normally in Ring of Honor, and I think if Ring of Honor were to become a thing again, that I would see Vincent go back. Um, Moose and Macklin get into it. We all knew they would. This is going to lead to more things with Sammy Callahan. Scott DeMore and Callahan had some talks as well, and uh, Callahan is going to be the Special referee when Moose and Macklin fight each other. That should be interesting. Masha Slamovich got to take on Ali Catch in a Monsters Ball match. These two destroyed each other. Uh, it was uh, it was actually pretty good, pretty pretty to to be a women's Monsters Ball match. It actually was pretty good. Uh, both of them showed that they are both crazy and that uh, they will do all kinds of things in the ring that you would not expect normal people to do of course Masha ends up with the victory in that one uh, Alley Cats look good in this one she is uh, an indie legend look her up if you need to New Japan New Japan Pro Wrestling we got to see the G1 final Will Ospreay one of the best in the world that's it's any association one of the best on the planet if if Osprey is doing anything you have to watch well he took on Kazuchika Okada who is like the uh, kind of the the savior golden child of of New Japan. New Japan was going through a little bit of a lull and then a prospect like Okada comes around and he was part besides some of the amazing talent and they started to really book them in the right ways they completely turned their trajectory from sideways to up. But uh, we get Osprey versus Okada. 
This match goes like 42 minutes or so, which is just unbelievable. And Osprey could not find a way to beat Okada. Okada wins the G1 again. Fantastic match. Absolutely fantastic match. Uh, I know I skipped over or skipped around a while ago. Let's go to AEW Rampage, where the Butcher and the Blade, a hidden fun tag team that I like, took on Private Party and the Acclaimed. Of course, the Acclaimed ends up with the win in that one. But uh, Butcher and the Blade, the Private Party has the, has their place too. But Butcher and the Blade, a very good tandem. That uh, they are great mechanics. Remember, if you're not familiar with that term, that is a pro wrestler who is there to, or he works so well with his opponent that he makes his opponent look really well, and himself. Uh, they they are fantastic. I, I love the, the Butcher and the Blades work. Uh, I think them versus the Acclaim just straight up would have been a better match. There was just too much going on in this one, but uh, the Acclaim win. Then we get to see Stokely Hathaway, the Gun Club, and Morrissey. In the back, and they're kind of plodding along as to some of the things they might have in store. Then we get to see Stokely and Morrissey as they come out with Lee Moriarty, who has a different hair color and a little bit of a different intensity and demeanor than his normal, uh, how he normally wrestles. But uh, he took on Fuego del Sol. It's actually a pretty good match. Lee Moriarty ends up with the win in that one, and I kind of like the new. I kind of like the new attitude a little bit. I think it could help him. Uh, Hangman of the Dark Order, including Ten, get confronted by Andrade and his assistant. This this was kind of the mix-up there, where people were like, "Um, is Andrade leaving, or the assistant?" And there was some things on, on social media, and it's like, well. Andrade challenged Ten, otherwise known as Preston Vance, to a match. And he said, Andrade says, hey, when I beat you, you join me. Preston says, that's fine. Or no, if I beat you, you take that mask off. Okay. And Vance looks at him and he says, but when I beat you, Andrade... You leave AEW. And that's that's where the controversy started where people were like, well, maybe he's leaving. And I was like, I don't think so. I think this is, uh, there's no reason for Ten to really have a, a mask. Uh, it doesn't play in anything the Dark Order does. They already have a mask guy, and uh, it doesn't really help him. So I think it's just time to unmask the big guy, and he can be regular Preston Vance, who is a big-time prospect and could do some really, really good things. Uh, then we got Willow Nightingale versus Jamie Hayter with Britt and Rebel down there as well. Uh, Willow Nightingale, so good. So good in the ring. I remember when she first started out in WOW, uh, the women of wrestling a couple years ago. Uh, it's like, all right, she has potential. She's doing some stuff here and there to see where she's at now. Wow, leaps and bounds. And, of course, Jamie Hayter, you guys know, is one of my perennial favorites. So, uh, this is a good match. These two, I would love to see them wrestle again somewhere down the road when it maybe means a little more. So, uh, but in the end, of course, Jamie Hayter ends up with the win. But a really good match. It was probably the best match of the card. Really was. Um, they kind of teased the team of Wardlow and Samoa Joe. Which, I don't know why they're pairing off. Maybe that means one or both are going to be dropping their titles sometime soon. Which would make a lot of sense. But uh, I like them as a team. They'd be kind of hard to beat. Uh, Ryan Namath. Dolph Ziggler's little brother is out there running his mouth. Uh, Hook comes down there and just smashes him. And then the Trustbusters give him a... give him a envelope that he kind of glares at him, takes the envelope, and leaves. It's probably 
an offer to join them. Hook doesn't need to join anybody. We know that. And then in the main event, we get Roosh versus John Silver, Johnny Hungy. And uh, we know that Roosh was going to win, but uh, Silver made it look really good. Silver and Roosh actually blended really well. Uh, it looked like they had known each other for a long time. They did a lot of great in-ring work. Like I said, in the end, Roosh ends up with the win, as he should. And then finally, I didn't—I don't—I didn't, I don't, I didn't want to end on a on a bad note. And I guess I'm not going to, because I'm going to add a little tidbit on the end. But we learned earlier this week of the passing of Antonio Anoki, who is not just a Japanese wrestling legend. But he, uh, he had a lot of MMA ties, a uh, great shoot fighter, and he also, he also, um, uh, he did so much for even, even American wrestling and just world professional wrestling. Um, it, it was, it was so sad and, and, um, you know, to hear of his passing. But, uh, you know, to leave it on a lighter note, let me, let me just, uh, this is how much he cared for his craft. There's a video that has resurfaced again. You can go look this up anytime. It's, it's uh, shoot fighting or something. I, I can't remember. But it was in a wrestling ring. And Anoki was supposed to face, I think the Sheik or somebody was bringing somebody in. And they bring in this big kind of mountain man looking guy. Just kind of, kind of chunky guy and this guy had a reputation of of not selling moves and kind of going into business for himself during matches which is you know we go into this is how it works and you guys know this if, if you listen to this you're a smart fan um we may not necessarily know how we're going to get there but a lot of times if if you're going into a match you may know roundabout where it's going to end we'll put it that way kind of the way a couple things are going to go here and there fine. So, in doing that, um, this guy is known to kind of go off script and kind of just do his own thing and, and make you look bad and make himself look good just because he wants to. And he's a big guy, so he spends part of the match doing that. I know he would, like, uh, punch him in the gut, and he'd punch himself in the gut and just show you how, uh, how, how tough his gut was. And, and he's, uh, once again, he's a chunky guy just big chunky guy and uh you know i know he would go to do a um, particular hold or something to him and he just kind of just throw him off or you know he just he wasn't going by what he was supposed to do and so i know it's like all right you know what we'll, we'll just get through this it is what it is and then at one point this guy decides to start clubbing i in the back of the neck back of the head as he's bent over which is a normal part of wrestling that, that you can see those kind of strikes, but these strikes look real. These strikes look very much like he is trying to show Anoki that he is in charge. And Anoki got finally had enough, and he did what any shoot fighter would do. He open palm striked this guy to the face and the back of the head a bunch of times real quickly, and uh, then challenged the guy to actually fight right there in the ring. So as the guy kind of comes to him, thinking that he can still just kind of maul him and do what he wants to do, Anoki drops him. And uh, as he kind of roughs him up, and he gets him, and he knocks the guy down. And then he goes and just starts kicking the guy in the face and makes a mess of the guy's face. Uh, about knocked him out, knocked him silly, it looked like. And uh, Sheik or whoever was trying to, might have been Akbar, is one of the other Sheik or Akbar, that were trying to, uh, kind of do something about it, and the referees just—he thought it was part of it until he was like, "Oh crap! Well, uh, uh, we need to get him off of him." And, and uh, from then on, nobody ever tried Antonio Anoki. They—they uh, I don't think that guy ever worked. Might not have worked ever again, but he might not have worked in the territory for sure. Uh, that was not a good way to to go about things. But that was Antonio Anoki. He cared so much for the the beauty of professional wrestling that he that he um that he was ready to protect it and uh he's just super guy like i said uh 
especially the Asian market, but uh, professional wrestling in general uh, was a better place because of Antonio Antonio Anoki and uh, uh, thoughts and prayers and condolences to the Anoki family and uh, to anybody who ever saw that guy wrestle. He was fantastic. But that's going to do it for us this week. Shout out to all you amazing people who and wrestling fans and pro and or well, pro wrestling and MMA fans that make it so much fun to come on here each and every week and talk professional wrestling and to talk MMA. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. We will see you guys next week. Deuces gooses. Go watch wrestling.